I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Does boxing have a problem with judging? Yes, that kind of goes without saying. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, I've you know talked about the many bad decisions that have taken place in this sport. But once again, I don't want to say that this was a bad decision, or maybe it was. It might depend upon who you're asking. But the fight between John Molina and Omar Figueroa this past Friday once again had people wondering what is going on with judging in this sport. Yes, it was a close competitive fight. Some people had Molina winning, some people had Figueroa winning. But the controversy here lays in the fact that the judges' scorecards were so wide in favor of Omar Figueroa. And if you listen to the commentary for this fight, which aired on PBC on Fox, it sounded like they thought that uh, Molina had won the fight, or that, you know, it, it would be much closer than the scores reflected. I mean, Lennox Lewis was doing commentary, and he, he said at one point, I, I don't like to say who I thought won the fight, because it doesn't matter in terms of judging, but later, one of, his, one of the broadcasters is trying to, you know, say, Lennox, come on, you thought he won, right? And Lennox, Lennox kind of dodges it a little bit. L- let's play that audio. All right, here's Jimmy. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, after 10 rounds of action, we have a unanimous decision. Here are the score totals. Judge at ringside, Rudy Barragan scores the bout 97 to 93. Patrick Russell sees it 98 to 92. And Eddie Hernandez Sr. scores the bout 99 to 91. All three in favor of the winner. And still undefeated, Omar Panterita Figueroa. Whoa. Are you guys surprised? Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, you know, that's why I don't like really saying who, who, a lot who, of I, who I think won the fight. Because obviously the judges are looking at different things. So, look. You thought John Molina won the fight. I thought he threw some good punches. He was busy. He was moving around. I thought, look, you can't say he lost by that margin. There's no way. The crowd is booing here. Uh, they didn't think that it was as lopsided as that. I mean, you had a not just a smattering of boos. You had a lot of boos. I'm quite surprised. You had one of the great judges, referees of all time, Larry Hazard, scoring it uh, for Molina. We certainly thought it was a, a, a neck-and-neck fight. Uh, so Omar Figueroa Jr. in a bit of a surprise remains unbeaten at 28-0-1. Judges scored it 97-93, 98-92, and 99-91. Figueroa victorious over John Molina Jr. Now if I were broadcasting that night with Lennox Lewis, I probably would have pressed him a lot harder. I mean, he's actually asked, you thought Molina won the fight? And he just kind of sidesteps it. You thought John Molina won the fight. I thought he threw some good punches. He was busy. He was moving around. Okay, and wh- what does that even mean? Okay, he he was moving and he uh, he landed some good punches. But does that do you do you equate that with winning, or are you just saying that? Well, yeah, that's what he did in the fight. No, just just have the courage to say I thought that John Molina won the fight, or. I don't know, is there some sort of clause in the PPC contracts that, you know, uh, guest commentators like Lennox Lewis, 
you know, whoever they get, are they not allowed to share too much of their opinion if it differs from the uh, official scorecards of the judges? I don't know, but I would like some more honesty from Lennox in this case. I mean, I've watched the fight twice. Uh, one time, the first time I watched it without commentary, and I thought, okay, Molina won this fight. The other time I did uh, watch it with commentary, and I did feel it a little bit closer than how the official judges scored it. Like, and, then, and at that point, I scored it for Figueroa. But at the same time, I, I looked at those scorecards, and I thought it was not that one-sided. It couldn't have been that one-sided. And, you know, if someone like Larry Hazard is scoring the fight for Molina, Dan Raphael is scoring it close, but still for Molina, and yet the three judges are scoring it for Figueroa, and it's incredibly one-sided. Something's not right. I I don't know. Maybe, I I don't know the uh, exact ages of these judges, but... You know, are are they possibly senile? Do we just need some you some new youthful talent in terms of boxing judges? I mean, I don't know what it takes to become one in the United States, but I think some is uh, sorely needed. And Molina Molina got out of the ring as soon as the decision was announced. He he actually, if you if you watch the replay, um, he he does start applauding when they announce Figueroa as the winner, but he also he just leaves the ring immediately. He's not going to be doing an interview because I think that he doesn't hold any um, any ill will towards Figueroa, but at the same time he does not want to continue to be a spectacle as he is at the moment, and he just just to show his frustration and disappointment with the way the scores turned out, he just leaves, which is you know that's his right. I mean. I don't think there's anything in the PBC contracts that the fighters have to give an interview. But who knows? Maybe I'm mistaken. I don't get to see the contracts. But um, I think that uh, a lot of people were expecting Figueroa to blow through Molina. Because Molina, you know, good fighter. He's, you know, he's had some uh, pretty good victories in his career. Uh, One of my favorites is his uh, come-from-behind victory over Mickey Bay. Uh, The last round of their 10-round fight, he just lands this... Uh, great right hand and that turns the fight around for him and he just he ends up winning the fight but I I think that after Figueroa's destruction of Robert Guerrero uh, which was his previous fight and you have to remember that was all the way back in 2017 I I think they were expecting more of that but possibly because of uh, the layoff that Figueroa's had he was originally supposed to be an opponent for Adrian Broner but uh, that did not end up happening. I think that was the fight that Jesse Vargas ended up taking. So these long periods of inactivity, obviously they end up hurting the fighters, and maybe this long period of inactivity ended up doing more to affect Omar Figueroa than we could possibly believe. Moving on. Well, after suffering a shocking and devastating loss at the hands of Eladir Alvarez back in uh, that was August of last year. Sergey Kovalev was able to bounce back in a big way, but not as big as you might expect in the rematch, which took place earlier this month. Uh, I didn't give any sort of prediction for this fight, but I thought that if Kovalev went into the fight just trying to get the knockout, trying to get the big knockout and look dominant as he has in years past, that it would be a mistake. And who knows? Uh, he might have been listening to me 
or have been reading my mind, I don't know, or it more likely is the game plan that his new trainer, Buddy McGirt, worked up for him because he won uh, He won a unanimous decision. He boxed really well, a lot better than I thought that he was going to. I thought that he would eventually like just start looking for the knockout, just say, you know, to hell with boxing, I'm already in control of the fight. I don't need to keep doing what I'm doing. But, you know, I thought it was a very one-sided fight. The scorecards for it were uh, 120 to 108, and the other two judges scored it 116 to 112. Kovalev regains the uh, WBO light heavyweight title. This was Kovalev's first fight with Buddy McGirt as his new trainer, and so far it looks to be a good fit. I mean, like I said, I thought Kovalev boxed very well, and even Buddy McGirt, I saw an article on Boxing Scene, he admitted that Kovalev boxed better, or more disciplined rather, than even McGirt thought that he was going to. So that really shows something, and they, you know they they actually brought this up uh, during the broadcast on ESPN. They have uh, Tim Bradley and Andre Ward as uh, guest analysis during the fight, and I got to admit those two are very good broadcasters. They, you know, not not to slam Lennox Lewis, but I think Lennox Lewis could learn a thing or two from Tim Bradley and Andre Ward. But they, I think they give much more deeper and detailed analysis, which. Honestly, I kind of expect from Lennox Lewis because he seems like a very eloquent person. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't come through for whatever reason. But uh, this is what uh, Andre Ward was saying during the fight about Kovalev uh, bringing in McGirt and changing things that need fixing. Joe, that should have been a conversation in Kovalev. Kovalev's career from the very beginning. Hey, right. you're strong, you can punch, but don't look for it. But it was never an issue. You know, we've talked about this before that, that knockouts and victories, it covers a multitude of sins. People, yeah. trainers, uh, assistants, they will overlook the flaws in your game because they're enamored with the good things that you do. But when you get knocked out a few times, when you have some mishaps, now you're forced to go back and work on the aspects of your game that you didn't in the first place. And that can be hard for somebody like Kovalev, who is 35. He's going to be 36 in early April. So it, it makes you wonder, you know, is he capable of learning this late in his career? And looks like he is. I don't, I personally don't think that he has much longer. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, retired uh, within the next year. It wouldn't shock me a great deal. Um, there are talks of possibly a fight between him and Artur Biterbiev, who holds the IBF light heavyweight title. Biterbiev is 13-0 and with 13 knockouts. He's destroying everybody in his fifth fight. He absolutely destroyed Tavoris Cloud. Tavoris Cloud never fought again after being demolished by Biterbiev. You know, it's a great matchup between two light heavyweight champions, which, you know, this is the baffling thing about boxing, because... You know, there's all these divisions and even more champions in each of these divisions because of the damn sanctioning bodies. But regardless, two light heavyweight champions, both are known for their destructive and devastating power, and these two have history. They were in the amateurs together in Russia, and uh, I think it was twice that Biterbiev beat Sergei Kovalev in the amateurs. I've heard that they don't like each other. I talked about this fight uh, a number of years ago. I can't remember how many years, but I remember an, uh, an episode where I talked about a PBC broadcast and I talked about Peter Biev and, you know, one day this guy could be an opponent for Sergei Kovalev. He's 13-0, he's already got a light heavyweight title, and he's not that much younger than uh, Kovalev. 
I think he's about 32 or 33. I, I, I don't have the number in front of me. But, uh, you know, I, I don't understand why these Russians always come to the West and start their careers so late. But, you know, if that's the way they want to do it, that's fine. You know, it seems to be working for them thus far. But, like I said, I, I think Kovalev showed that, uh, you know, he can fight a disciplined fight. He doesn't need to look for the knockout. In fact, they uh, they went to the uh, corner of Kovalev. They spoke with Buddy McGirt about, you know, his strategy during the fight and how he thought Kovalev was doing. Buddy, what do you think of the legs of Kovalev here in the round number three? To be honest with you, I think he's fine. You know what I mean? I, I tell him, don't let this guy get him riled up. You got nothing to prove with nobody. Just take your time. Don't look for the knockout. Keep it basic. You were talking about the jab and the importance of the jab in this fight. How's he working with that? He's getting better each round. Each round we're getting better and better. You know, you know, we uh, worked on that a lot in camp. But, you know, when you got a guy that's a puncher, they always want to rely on the home run. No, no, no. Thank no, you, buddy. No, no. So he's shown that he can improve, and I hope that a fight with Artur Biterbiev, it's a, it's a strange name to say, Artur Biterbiev can be made. I, I think that would be a good fight, and it'd be a nice way, possibly, for Kovalev to end his career should he be victorious. He defeats the guy who defeated him twice in the amateurs, and he also picks up another uh, light heavyweight title. You know, not a bad way to end a career, but that's only if. The fight can be made. Who knows what they've got planned for Kovalev. Moving on. Now there's some kind of breaking news today. Tyson Fury has once again found a way to shake up the heavyweight division. Uh, the undefeated lineal heavyweight champion has uh, signed an exclusive co-promotional deal with Bob Arum's top rank. Uh, he signed this with his current promoter, Frank Warren. But yeah, he signed an agreement with top rank and ESPN. This, this unfortunately could put the rematch with Deontay Wilder in jeopardy. It, does, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, because there apparently were plans for a May 18th uh, rematch at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, but uh, nothing... It, it's kind of complicated right now, because... Um, Fury and Wilder might be forced to take, at the moment, uh, low-profile fights because now Bob Arum, Al Heyman, ESPN, and Showtime, they have to figure out how to put together a deal to uh, distribute the pay-per-view rematch. It's, uh... On one hand, you know, good for Tyson Fury. On the other hand, ah, damn! I really wanted to see that rematch. I really did. Um, I mean, I'm not, in my, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it on one hand, because, you know, sometimes these, uh, exclusive deals, they can somewhat limit a fighter in terms of who they can fight. I mean, I, I personally think that a deal with Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon at this point. I really don't, which... You know, that really blows, in all honesty. It really, really sucks, because I liked that, uh, I like the tension between the two. I like that they don't like each other. I like that each has their own claim to the heavyweight championship in one way or another. But this deal, it just further complicates things, and that's not good for the sport. I mean, 
we've all had those big fights on the horizon that just kept getting put off, put off, and then something happens to complicate things. Uh, a, a great example was Adonis Stevenson versus Sergey Kovalev. I mean, in 2013, everybody was talking about that fight. Stevenson had knocked out Chad Dawson. He had, um, out, you know, outboxed and stopped Tavoris Cloud. He looked like, you know, he he looked like the man in the light heavyweight division if you didn't count Sergey Kovalev. I mean, it was certainly between the two. And you thought, going into 2014, that a fight between the uh, those two would eventually happen, but then Adonis Stevenson signed with Al Heyman and Showtime, and unfortunately, it just became—it's just going to be discussed in boxing, in boxing forums, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I, I, I seriously hope that this is not going to be the case with Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. And I certainly hope that won't be the case when it comes to a rematch between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I can partially understand why Fury might have made this decision. Because because Wilder and Joshua are the men with the titles. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people viewed Tyson Fury as sort of this anomaly, this strange fat obese bastard who manages to get himself in very good fighting shape when it comes time to fight and then just looks brilliant but he, he's sort of seen as an outsider almost so i would be surprised if he did this to make himself the big man in the heavyweight division and hey it, it seems to be working uh tyson fury has apparently told wilder and joshua that uh he's in control now and that he's calling the shots now, it, it doesn't surprise me. I read articles. I didn't see the. Uh, I didn't see the press conference, but he said, "quote It's the Tyson Fury show now. I've got the biggest TV platform in the world. I call the shots. I still want the biggest fights, and that includes Wilder and Joshua." Unquote. Now, that, it's good that he said that. It's great that he said that, because now you're going to run into. Unfortunately, this comes in boxing. Moronic fanboys. You're going to have people who say he did this to get away from Anthony Joshua, or he did this to get away from a rematch with Tyson Fury. Or sorry, to he did this to get away from a rematch with Deontay Wilder. I don't know why he'd want to get away from a rematch with Deontay Wilder because I thought he dominated that fight, not factoring in the knockdowns. All right, and even after he got knocked down in the twelfth round, he was coming back strong. So the the idea that Tyson Fury is scared, no, I I'd be very interested to know what he is scared of because, you know, the, the, this guy does seem legitimately fearless in the ring. But um, like I said before, and like I continue to say, I hope 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 this does not uh, continue to fracture the heavyweight division further than it's already fractured. I mean, I I said. Uh, back in 2015 when Fury got the victory over Klitschko that I hoped that this would lead to sort of a new golden era for the heavyweight division. It, it doesn't look like that might be happening anytime soon, but uh, we can keep dreaming, can't we? Now, before I end this podcast, I just want to remind you that today, February 18th, we are less 
than one month away from Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia. Spence 24-0 with 21 knockouts versus Garcia 39-0 with 30 knockouts. Oh, I can't wait for this fight. I've got it off. I've got the night off of work. They can call me. They can say, you're the only one who can save this store from bankruptcy. I'm not going in. Okay, I am going to this fight. I am going to be covering it. Uh, in the lead-up, we are. I believe that they they're going to be doing some sort of uh, fight camp 360 or whatever they do now. Some behind-the-scenes featurette uh, leading up to the fight. I'm going to be covering that. I am hoping that I can get the excellent Matt Lewis on the podcast again, so that we can have a discussion about these two fighters and where or rather who might be the eventual winner also speaking of matt lewis if you go to boxingforfree.com matt has started a very good series about uh his experiences in boxing leading up to his first amateur fight uh earlier at the at the start of the month he put up put up uh, part one which is called how long is a minute this is a great behind the scenes look See, I make it sound like, you know, this is some sort of documentary, but it's a great little story about uh, him, his journey from, you know, just boxing in a club to his first real amateur fight. And I think that uh, you should read it. Obviously, it's uh, part one of four. So there's going to be a lot more, and I can't wait to read the other parts. I suggested to Matt that he do this because I thought it would turn into a great article to read. And. Thankfully, I was right about that. So, um, hopefully, hopefully he can get part part two and three and four up soon, so that way we can finish the we can finish this, and hopefully I can get him on the podcast again because I really wanted to, to discuss uh, Spence versus Garcia. I can't wait to see this fight. This is one that's really got me buzzing, really got me excited for the sport. And hopefully I can talk about that some more in the lead up to this fight. But uh, for now, this is where we're going to have to leave you. That's all we've got for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash Boxing for Free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert the Ghost Guerrero, Adonis Stevenson, Berman Stavern, Millerad Zizek, Glenn Johnson, and many others by liking us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Boxing for Free. Go to YouTube.com slash Boxing for Free and like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash Boxing for Free page. Go to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes or iHeartRadio, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. I have no idea what you just said, but watch me smile and nod.